What are your thoughts, Depression, on the issue of imported plastic waste? That is, countries in other parts of the world shipping their plastic waste to Africa. This, I mean, it's like saying, what do you think about, you know, going into country and bombing a country? It's just, it's totally unacceptable. It's criminal, yeah? Hello and welcome back to Africa Science Focus, a side of net production. I'm Sally Amutabe. Over the past decade, plastic waste has been making waves worldwide. A 2020 study estimated that Sub-Saharan Africa's 1 billion people produce 17 million tons of plastic waste each year, about half of what the United States generates. This week, we find out about an amazing project that's giving old flip-flops a new life. But first, our reporter Michael Kaloki is in Nakuru, just east of Lake Victoria, to see firsthand how plastic is affecting Africa's communities. Around the continent, there has been an ongoing discussion about effective ways that governments can legislate on plastic waste management. And where I am is a town called Nakuru. It's about 171 kilometers northwest of the Kenyan capital, Nairobi. And I'm here with James Wakibia. James describes himself as a plastic waste campaigner. James, tell me more. Yeah, I am a plastic waste campaigner, campaigning for plastic waste uh, in Africa. I started in Kenya, but I have uh, a lot of collaboration with other African countries, especially in us in East Africa, but now going uh, continental. Now, we're standing here on the street in Nakuru, and I can see some plastic waste on the street here. Yeah, plastic is such a big menace, and uh, it affects us from, you know, at the lo local level, I think the community needs to be, you know, to be kept aware. GEMS launched the 2015 social media campaign that led to Kenya's ban on plastic bags. Today, he continues his campaign for the rest of the continent. I personally have focused on plastic pollution because it's the most visible litter everywhere. Everywhere you go, even where we are standing here on Government Road in Akuru, the most visible litter you see is plastic. Plastic uh, wrappers, plastic bottles, plastic, uh, you know, all kinds of plastic. And uh, I think the, the, the other thing, uh, and which is a big problem with plastic, is that it cannot biodegrade like uh, the rest of the plastic. If I was eating banana or somebody else was eating a banana and threw the peeling or the pills uh, on the ground, after some time the pills would uh, biodegrade and completely disappear. They'll be taken up by, the, by nature. But plastic is made in such a way that it's so strong. You know, it cannot biodegrade. It takes hundreds and hundreds of years. I think we can, it's right to say it takes uh, eternity to, to, to go away. And to go away means breaking down into much smaller plastics called microplastics, which can easily get into the air, can get into the water, can get into the soil. And that's why plastic is everywhere. It's in the air we're breathing, it's in the water we drink, it's in the food we are eating, it's everywhere. I think uh, because uh, it is the industries that are building, that are making this plastic, that are manufacturing this plastic, 
it is them that who that are supposed to be you know responsible in managing it they should come up with ways that will ensure their plastic or their products do not end up polluting the environment how to do that i think uh, they should get back to the drawing board and design better plastics better products with less or lower environmental impact they could uh, design products that are more recyclable they can be put into circular economy and completely do away with single use plastics across sub-saharan africa initiatives are being launched to reduce plastic waste Rwanda has passed a bill banning single-use plastics and in 2019, the United Nations named the capital, Kigali, the cleanest city in Africa. Carol Excel from the World Resources Institute, a global non-profit organization, tells Michael that more can be done to protect people and the environment from plastic waste. Well, I think what the issue is in, 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 in many countries in Africa is that governments have started this process of putting in place uh, legislation primarily on targeted specific types of plastic alone. So they haven't yet taken a more comprehensive approach and looked at various types. I know Kenya and Tanzania have already put in place legislation on plastic bags. Um, and there are some other countries that are also doing some interesting things, not just banning importation, of plastic, but also looking at different types of more biodegradable or compostable that can be allowed into the market. So it's it's not that countries in Africa aren't um, actually, you know, trying to address the, the issue through legislation. It's that they are only focusing, many of them, on plastic bags alone. And as you know, single-use plastic uh, includes, the you know, the definition includes packaging, straws and cups and cutlery items and plastic plates. And so it's really, I think, what where the gap is is extending uh, legislation to different forms of plastic and really developing recycling markets and incentives for you know things like bottles plastic bottles uh, and and ensuring putting in place deposit refund schemes and the issue for for what the report is saying is that countries cannot take an approach where they just take one product after one product for reducing plastic pollution. They need to look at all the different types of plastic, single-use plastic products that are causing problems in their own country. They need to do an assessment of what those uh, plastic products are and then develop more comprehensive legislation and policy approaches to address all of them. Carol tells Africa Science Focus how single-use plastics harm the continent's poorest communities. We've also found that, you know, very vulnerable groups, um, of course, are the ones who, you know, have to live around waste um, dumps. And some of these areas, um, people burn plastic. And of course, uh, when you burn plastic, it releases toxic substances into the air. So, you know, it's, it's even been linked to flooding of certain areas when it's not cleaned, you know, it's not cleaned up. So there's all these implications and impacts uh, that people don't, you know, are not obvious to people to see that are really real and affect uh, very you know vulnerable people so how are health and environment experts spreading the word about plastic waste one group is taking to africa's lakes and the seas on the world's first recycled plastic sailing down my name is dipesh babari i'm the co-founder of the flip floppy project 
could you tell me a little bit about Flip Floppy Boat? Um, the Flip Floppy uh, was is the world's first recycled plastic sailing boat. Um, we built it about four years ago on the north coast of Kenya, um, working with a, a small uh, low-tech factory in, on, in Malindi, a coastal town of Kenya, um, where the parts were fabricated um, largely out of waste that was collected from the beaches around Kenya as well as the small towns. Um, the plastic was then shredded down and fabricated into different parts of the boat, the ribs, the keel, the planks, etc. And the boat itself was built by local artisans in Lamu who have a very old history of um, Dao building, which is very much part of the heritage of the Indian Ocean. The Flip Floppy Dao, covered in 30,000 recycled flip-flops, has traveled over 1,800 kilometers around Lake Victoria. Project leader Dipesh believes that sharing knowledge with communities is the best way to make sure that policymakers stick to their promises. Why did you decide to build a boat out of flip-flops and plastic? We wanted to do something that was positive and engaging and had its roots in, in Africa, hence it's a DAO. If you can build a boat that is seaworthy, capable of sailing 500 kilometers from Lamu to Zanzibar, entirely out of waste, it just shows you how valuable a material it is. You mentioned there that the boat is currently on a voyage around Lake Victoria. So why did you decide to undertake this East African voyage of the flip-floppy boat? Yeah. The, the, the realization is that, um, you know, there's been a lot of attention uh, with ocean plastics. And ultimately, that's the end of the journey for plastic. It's where it all ends up. Um, the, for us, the idea of taking the message upstream, literally and symbolically, was very important. Lake Victoria is one of the most critical ecosystems. It's the second largest freshwater lake in, in the world. It, if over 40 million people are directly dependent on that lake, and then if you think about it as the source of the Nile, we're talking hundreds of millions of people are dependent on this lake. So the idea of going to where the source is, so to speak, um, uh, was very important, and equally to bring attention to one of the, to this critical ecosystem that's largely neglected and not many people know much about. Environmental issues cross-cut borders. Lake Victoria is a shared lake by three countries, Uganda, Kenya, Tanzania, but it equally feeds and is indirectly, you know, supports people as far as Burundi, Rwanda, Southern Sudan, hence making up the East African community. If we're ever going to deal with the problem, we need to deal with things on a regional basis. Lake Victoria symbolizes just how important that is. So what the flip-floppy does is it brings people together. It brings county governments and county officials and you know fishermen and civil society and everybody from that essentially from that one location together on this on one issue. And ultimately, you know, plastic is one of those issues that each one of us is responsible for creating plastic pollution. Recycled plastic DAO creator Dipesh Pabari, ending today's program on the future of plastic in Africa. Next up, we hear from student Kent Chizu, who has a question about COVID-19 vaccine conspiracy theories. 
Hey, my name is Kenti Chizu from Highland Secondary School. What is the truth surrounding COVID-19 vaccine? Do they really want to depopulate the world? Hello, Kent Chizu. The world has seen a number of pandemics. So many diseases and plagues have come onto this world or on this earth. Through it all, vaccines were produced to contain the situation. We can mention the influenza viruses that came several years ago in different forms that claimed so many lives. Smallpox, measles, polio, yellow fever, vaccines were developed. Now, some of these vaccines were incorporated into postnatal care. So, after, after giving birth, children are given vaccination. Children have received vaccines, they have grown up, and they have given birth. And if, really, the plan is to depopulate the world, then the viruses that the, the vaccines that we were given they would have depopulated the world long time ago. Chizu, I sincerely think that the purpose of the COVID 19 vaccine is to save life. Thanks to our expert, Dr. Isaac Kingsley Amponsa from Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology for answering Ken's question. If you too are looking for some science facts, send us your questions and we'll find the answers. Send a text or voice message via WhatsApp to plus 254-799-042513. For more episodes from Africa Science Focus, go to www.sidev.net or subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis. The editors were Fiona Broom and Jackie Opara Fatoe, with reporting from Michael Kaloki. I'm Sally Amutabi. See you next Wednesday. This program was funded by the European Journalism Center through the European Development Journalism Grants Program with support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation.